0: Before I get to my next guest, Nathan in Bob Lazeri, I want to give a shout out to a few of our sponsors, starting with our friends over at Squares Golf. Are you like me, always considering new golf equipment, maybe a new driver? Well, I'll tell you what, let me reset your thinking because I discovered Squares Golf Shoes. The patented square toe provides balance, stability, and a wider base for increased connection to the ground, effectively increasing your swing speed by 2.2 miles per hour, an average of 9 yards of distance. Independent tests prove it. That's right. It's proven in science. Go to squares.com. That's S-Q-A-I-R-Z.com and get Squares 30-day money back guarantee. Use promo code DISTANCE for $20 off. Remember, DISTANCE comes from swing speed and swing speed comes from your connection to the ground. And folks, I wouldn't tell you about it if I didn't experience it for myself. I've never felt more stable in my golf swing, which allows me to swing faster and launch it further. Squares, the distance golf shoe. And I want to remind you about our friends over at Zexio. Back in 2001, Zexio Strixon began making clubs for men and women, and they've improved on those clubs every year since. I was fit for a set of Zexio 10 irons by a great fitter on their staff. He got me dialed in, and they feel and perform fantastically. They are light. I have picked up nearly 5 miles per hour in swing speed, and they're deadly accurate. Every part of Zexio Clubs are made exclusively for Zexio. Like I say, everything is light and balanced. Swing weights are made to give us the highest smash factors. The best part of getting fit for Zexio Clubs is hitting it higher and straighter than ever before, changing your game. Zexio Clubs are a Golf Digest Hot List Gold winner for 2021. Congratulations to Zexio Ambassador NB Park for her five-stroke victory earlier this year at the Kia Classic. It was her 21st victory. And she did it using Zexio 11 Woods and X-Irons. Ernie Els and top instructor Martin Hall are Zexio ambassadors as well. See why and how Zexio can help improve your game. Go online to ZexioUSA.com. That's X-X-I-O-U-S-A.com and pick which set is right for you. All right. Now back with me is my co-host over on the football side on our show Thursday Night Tailgate, Mr. Bob Lazeri. Bob, how are you, my friend?
1: I'm doing well, Chris, it's great to be back, and I uh, hope everything's going well with you.
0: It's going well, my friend. It's been a minute. Talk about how things have been going with you. Catch us up. How's your summer going?
1: Good, Chris. Good. The weather this past week in Connecticut uh, has been the best three days I can remember, remember in a long time. And, of course, as I told you in the past, we pay for good days around here. So just wondering when Mother Nature is going <laughs> to give it back to us and... uh I just, I'll enjoy it while I can. Today's supposed to thunderstorms. We're going to get it. But um, I, I'm just, three days in a row in New England, you have to really thank your lucky stars. So I'm enjoying what I can, Chris.
0: Absolutely. Good for you, my friend. Before we get to our conversation with Nathan Groove, I want to get your thoughts on the Travelers Championship. I know you've been covering that tournament for many years. Last year, no fans. And little media, but this year is sort of kind of getting everybody back a little bit at a time. You excited to be back on the grounds and covering the tournament?
1: I am, Chris. Uh, Last year was very, very uh, just brutal on everyone. Uh, I they only let obviously the the huge media outlets on site, maybe the Hartford Current, a couple, you know, the Golf Channel. There was very few that even were uh contacted for credentials and all that and uh and this year I mean it opened up a little bit I mean I still know some uh some pretty uh incredible journalists that uh aren't able to go on the grounds again this year I think next year it should be back to normal but uh I plan on getting down there getting my credential package and it'll be a little Less than normal, uh but they're headed in the right direction. And as you know, Nathan is very thorough and taking all precautions. That's the safe thing to do right now. But, uh, yeah, I, I should be out there probably two, three days out of the four, Chris, and I look forward to it.
0: And, Bob, for those who aren't familiar with the golf course, again, TPC, River Highlands, talk about what the course is like.
1: Well, first of all, it's always in pristine condition, Chris. They keep that place So good, and anybody on the tour will tell you the same thing. They just uh, and and, you know you get a few days usually in late June here in New England where you do get the downpours and you have some humidity involved, so those greens can get very spongy. So that's why uh, you know obviously you talk to these players on tour. Sure, they're going to say you know I like coming to Cromwell, I like this and I like that, but don't 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 fool yourself. They love this course. Just because of the way it's laid out. Uh, not necessarily for the long, long hitters, Chris. You have to know how to play golf to, to really master this course. But it usually, as you know, the scores are very, very low. Uh, usually you have a bunch of low 60 rounds right off the bat. And, uh, it's, it's laid out great. A lot of water around the final few holes and, uh, guys got to use their heads. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a practice in, Really using your golf IQ. And, um, it, it's just, it's, it's great to watch these guys. Again, it does not cater to the guys that can hit 350 yards. This one is a little more catered toward the guys that are really have an all around game. And, and that's who usually wins this tournament.
0: And Bob, to your point about low scores, you go back a few years, we saw Jim Furyk shoot his 58 there. Last year, yeah. Dustin Johnson and Brendan Todd both shoot 61s in the third round. There have been several rounds, sixty two or better, nine of the last eleven tournaments have had a had a low score like that. But I I don't think what we would say is this is an easy golf course. It seems to me, and, and and you certainly know this way better than I, but it seems like a high risk, high reward sort of golf course. You can go for it and you can make some low scores, but you can also get yourselves in trouble as well. Talk about that. Is is it an easy layout or is it really the high risk, high reward kind of thing?
1: I think these guys are just such good players, Lee, uh, Chris, that they kind of just lay it out there, and, and they usually succeed. But you're right about the low scores. It's almost like every year uh, some guys flirting with 60 in the early rounds. And, and it's I don't know. It might have to do, especially lately, these guys are coming off some incredibly hard courses, Chris. Think about what they're doing, uh, playing in the PGA, playing in the – us so whatever they played that prior to the travelers this is an easier golf course and with their kind of talent uh they figured i'm just going to go for it it's it's a combination of talent and confidence when you get to hartford and that's why you see these low scores
0: and bob i remember you reaching out to me shortly after uh the, the end of the 2017 golf tournament jordan spieth winning there in a playoff over daniel Berger. he holds out from the bunker and the first playoff hole, well, we all remember the chest pump that he and his caddy Michael Greller did. The tournament that year was named Tournament of the Year by the PGA Tour. Oh, by the way, and I remember you saying to me, Chris, it felt like the ground was shaking when that uh, when that shot fell in. Talk about what you remember about being there when that happened.
1: I remember Chris trying to get to the uh, that hole. Uh, taking the trip, uh, from the media center and trying to get a head start, knowing that there might be some drama at the end of this tournament. And I probably was, my goodness, there was so many people. I, I, I can't tell you how many people deep it was, but I was probably four deep off that green. And, and when he made the shot, I could, ba- I basically had to kind of look at a sliver of light in between about four people to see the ball. You know, it was one of those things. But, uh, and you know, I was crouched down a little bit, but then you, that roar, I've said it before. I've, I've never heard such a loud roar at a sporting event. I bet at no hitters. I've been at a few different things, but literally the ground shook. I think it was just people jumping up, uh, maybe to get a shot at the ball going in the hole, but more for just the, the, the amount of noise and yelling that went on uh, the decibel level was deafening. you would never think that at a golf tournament you think it some other place maybe a football game with uh, eighty thousand people but that was it was special if you were there you would never going to uh forget it and especially if you're somebody like yourself who was like a jordan speed fan that's something you can't forget
0: how uh, before we get to nathan group uh, let our listeners know for for all the folks that are listening We do a good job, I think, over on our show on Thursday night, Tailgate, and we try to do the same here on on Next on the T to let our listeners know how they can stay up to date with all the great things that our guests are doing, to let our listeners know how they can stay up to date with all the great stuff that you're putting out on social media.
1: Well, Chris, you know, again, you and I have done hundreds, literally hundreds of shows, and uh, the way you are active on Twitter, uh, Chris will post uh, interviews uh, during football season of guys we've done. Uh, obviously, the next on the T interviews are always up. Um You can go to Monday Night Sports 14 on YouTube, to, on YouTube. That's all one word. Uh We did a TV show here in Connecticut for 10 years, and we've had Hall of Famers and et cetera uh, on that show. So we have a ton of them up at that YouTube site. Um And, again, I post columns that I've written in the past. I wrote the sports column for 15 years. You can get that probably on Twitter. I do that five days a week at least. Um, there's a lot more, as you know, Chris. It just escaped me now because I'm getting old. So it's just, but uh, <laughs> there's, um, you know, just tuning, Everything we do is kind of thrown on Twitter, and uh, we just, I'm just lucky that we're able to do it uh, this late in our careers, Chris. And we continue to enjoy it, and that's why we continue to do it.
0: That's right. Let them know how they can follow you on Twitter, what your Twitter handle is.
1: Sure, that's Bob under Lazari. Lazeri. And, uh, again, uh, we do, again, I recognize a lot of uh, birthdays of former Hall of Famers and things like that. And it happens that we probably have interviewed them in the past, and I'll usually throw an interview up on their birthdays. So uh, keep your eye out for that. It's a lot of fun.
0: There you go. All right, now back with us for the fourth year in a row is Nathan Groob. Nathan is the tournament director for the Travelers Championship coming up next week. Let me remind you a little bit about his background. He graduated from Auburn University with a degree in mass communications. After college, he became a wonderful PGA teaching professional. He was an instructor at the Robert Trent Jones Golf Trail Academy from 1996 to 1999. He then became the tournament director at the Southern Farm Bureau Classic and the executive director of the First Tee of Greater Birmingham. In March of 2005, Nathan became the tournament director for the Travelers' Championship at TPC River Highlands up in Cromwell, Connecticut. Some of the highlights of that tournament recently have been Bubba Watson's three wins there. In 2017, Jordan Spieth pitched in from the bunker in Sudden Death to defeat Daniel Berger. We all remember the chest bump he and Michael Greller did when that shot went in. In 2019, Ches Reeve beat out Zach Sooker, who is a good friend of the show, plus Keegan Bradley by four strokes. And then last year, Dustin Johnson won by beating Kevin Strillman by a Stroke, thanks in part to a third round 61. The Travelers' Championship is one of the premier events on the PGA Tour, and we're very excited to have Nathan back with us again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Nathan, Chris, and Bob, thanks for coming back on the show.
2: Guys, always enjoy it and appreciate it. Thanks for having me on.
0: Thanks. Absolutely. Nathan, you got to get your thoughts. How are things going uh, up there in preparation for next week's tournament?
2: They're good. They're good. I'm I'm looking out over 18, 17, 16, 15 right now and just seeing the structures and the, and the seats and the stands and, you know, knowing what's going to happen here next week with all the crowds pouring in. I mean, it'll be two years since we've had uh, people on property, right? I mean, we had no, you know, nobody here last year and it's just the fans are so excited to get back. The volunteers are excited to be here. The, I mean, all of our vendors, partners, media. But everybody's just excited to be back. And, uh, it's, so you can kind of feel it in the air, the anticipation of like, okay, things are, things are getting back to normal and this is kicking off summer in New England. So there's a lot of, uh, a lot of excitement in the air.
0: No doubt. You know, you've got to be excited just to get, like you say, fans back on the property. It had to be kind of a surreal experience last year without them. Got to be exciting to get them back this year.
2: So I, I was, I've, I've talked about this before that, you know, watching Dustin put in. Uh, last year, you know, I, I was, I was there with Andy Bassett from Travelers, our, our title sponsor. He and I spent a lot of time together on the tournament. We're standing there on the 18th green and, and you have this, you know, theater. You mentioned in, in the intro that, uh, you know, the Jordan speech when he chipped in there and, you know, the eruption of the crowd. I mean, you're looking all the way down 18 and, you know, it's like a scene from a Ryder Cup. You know, I mean, there's tens of thousands of people that are there and they're all celebrating. And then, but so much has happened on, oh, you know, Furyk Shoots 58 there and the crowds go crazy. And, um, you know, a couple of years ago and then Kevin Sturlman birdies seven in a row to, uh, to come back from behind and win. And then Bubba has his first, you know, PGA tour win here. So there's all this that's happening, you know, and you know that it has happened in the, in this, on this 18th hole. But then last year, Dustin puts in, he's the number one ranked player in the world. He wins your tournament and there were about 38 people around the green clapping. And it was the most surreal experience to be in that same, you know, quote unquote theater, that same environment where you've seen so much noise and you've heard so many roars and it was just such a different experience. And I mean, we were on one side, we we're so thrilled to be able to put it on, to be able to actually, you know, help bring sport back and, you know, doing what we were being one of the first events back, but um, having it happen in that environment, with no crowds when the crowds are I would say something that were you know known for on television and here locally it was it was pretty surreal
0: just so everybody knows that tournament that 2017 tournament was named tournament of the year by the PGA Tour go to that opposite side you you hear that handful of hand claps last year I imagine the ground had to shake when Steve makes that shot out of the bunker
2: it, it it was deafening it was absolutely deafening and we we talked about it I was not around when when the Beatles you know came to the United States and the the frenzy that I've seen on old clips you know and things like that of the crowds and the people what they were doing but it honestly when he knocked it in people were jumping around and screaming and, and I instantly went oh this looks like those old clips I've seen when the Beatles came to America I mean people it, like kids were actually tearing up and crying going that's amazing I mean wow. it was it, it was it was really just, it was electric and you're looking around going, oh, my gosh, these people are going to remember this for the rest of their lives. And uh actually, every once in a while, somebody will send me a clip from their, you know, from their cell phone. They were there, you know, they were recording it. And every once in a while, somebody will send me be like, hey, you know, hope you're well. Here's a clip from, you know, when I was standing over there to the right of 18. And you kind of relive that moment. You're like, oh, my goodness. And shaking, yes, a 100% the ground was shaking. And Jordan talks about that. He said he goes, I felt the ground shake. So it was uh, it was a pretty cool moment in sports.
0: And Nathan, the tournament does so much for local charities up there in the Cromwell area. Even last year, when there were no fans allowed at the tournament, you guys were able to raise a lot of money for those charities. Talk about how the tournament gives back.
2: So it it's one of I think the the thing that distinguishes PGA Tour events from other professional sports leagues is that every week there's a PGA tour event and every week there is some huge significant impact to local communities and local charities. And it just, it happens every single week. And so when you're, when you're on this side of it on the, on the event side and you're constantly reminding your sponsors, Hey, this is for charity, you know, we're putting on a professional sporting event, but at the end of the day, a hundred percent of what we make goes back to the community. You know, you say that and it's part of your dialogue but then what something that happens last year when we don't have you know any corporate hospitality we don't have any proams we don't have any ticket sales you know you have no revenue stream coming in and so there technically is no net proceeds right you're not raising anything there's there's nothing to to disperse but our sponsors um they understood they understood the tournament what it's about they understood the connection between hey their support and what happens with the money. And they said, well, we still want to give our sponsorship fee, even though there's no assets. We still want to give our sponsorship fee so that the charities can still benefit. And I mean, sponsor after sponsor after sponsor said that to the tune of about $1.6 million that our sponsors gave us, even though we had no net proceeds. You know, (laughs) When you kind of think about the definition of net proceeds, you need something to come in so that there is a net. And when there's nothing coming in, our sponsors still stood up and said, Hey, take our entire sponsorship fee and, and give it to charity. So that was a pretty moving, um, I would say theme that was happening within our sponsors that they knew, they knew what the tournament's about. They knew the bigger, the bigger mission of it. And I, I, I can't thank them enough. And I, I mean, I could spend a half an hour just talking about those partners who said, you know what? We know what you're about and we know what charity and it's just, it's different. You know, the tour is different than other sports where. You know, other other sports leagues can't say that. That hey, 100% of what we make goes back to the community. So it was uh, it was very cool to be a part of that when our sponsors um, did that and made that decision to still give that money.
1: Nathan, Bob here, and I want to thank you again for uh, calling in. I mean, Chris had mentioned you've done four of these shows on Next on the T, but we've gone back years where you gave us uh, time on the TV site uh, almost for the most of your 17 years. So we want to thank you and. Again, we totally enjoy the relationship. And, uh, just a light, Nathan, I was there in 2017, and I think I called Chris right afterward. And then that's exactly the words I used. The ground shook. And he said, yeah. uh, that's totally amazing. I mean, I've never seen a decibel level like that. Probably, I was at the 1983 Dave Rigetti no hitter right in back of the plate. And that was pretty loud, but, uh, this was something that is totally unforgettable. So, just wanted to throw that out there. But, uh, Nathan, this year, um, with uh you have yeah, fan favorites back, a lot of them, but if, what comes to mind automatically is Bubba Watson and Phil Mickelson, who have the five titles between them in Hartford. This year, especially with Phil winning the PGA in record-breaking style, it must uh, have the tournament organizers, Gideon, and you must be truly excited to see him here again.
2: Oh, my gosh, yes. I mean, because he, he had obviously he won here in 01 and 02, you know, back-to-back still or only back-to-back champion. was um, won it three times, you know, but it was kind of spread out. But so to, to has I mean, he came back a couple years ago, I don't know how many years wrong, but maybe it was uh, what, 2019, I think, and he had been gone for a while. But it was, what's crazy is not too many people remember, he drew a really tough draw. It was Friday afternoon, or I'm sorry, it was Thursday afternoon, it was raining. And then Friday morning, it was rain. There was a storm that blew through Thursday night and into Friday morning. So he literally teed off on Thursday afternoon and then Friday morning and then missed the cut. And he, in the parking lot, he found Andy and I, and he's like, guys, I'm sorry. And it was like he was apologizing. He goes, this is not what I wanted." He goes, I love this place. I love this golf course. And he literally, we were like, um, that's okay. You know, like, <laughs> it was kind of a funny moment. But he was like, I'm so sorry I missed the cut. And, and anyway, and he comes back again, you know, in 20. And then he was leading after the second round. I think he shot a 63, if I'm not mistaken, on, on Friday. So he was leading on Saturday. And, you know, like he loves this place. And so we weren't sure what was going to happen, obviously this year, um, just with, you know, I mean, him, you know, turning 50 and, you know, what was he going to do on the champions tour? What, you know, what was his playing schedule going to be? I mean, we always would love to have him, but saw him and, uh, saw him at Wells Fargo down in Charlotte. He's like, you know what, I, I'm I, I might, you know, I'm thinking about it, and uh, we thought, well, that's you know that's nice. I mean, he's being very polite, you know, and then when he wins the PGA, we're like, oh, there's there's no chance, you know. I mean, his mm. your life your life changes and everything changes when you when you win a major, and then he called and said, no, I'm coming, and we were like, great, and so I mean, I, he loves this golf course, he loves the fans, and I I think he you know he firmly believes he can win on this golf course, so that was great. But I mean, you add him to, you know, to the field we already had, you know, we already had five of the top 10 players in the world. And, you know, uh, I think 20, 25 of the top 50. And so, I mean, it's it's going to be a, you know, a good competition. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But the fans are the fans are really excited to, to see the guys back.
1: And Nathan, you just touched on the weather here in New England. It's, it's always a concern in the summer or for that matter, any time of the year. Uh, what would make me nervous a little bit, Nathan, is that we've had and I think you'll agree with this, probably three legitimate top ten weather days this past week. <laughs> totally gorgeous, and I'm sure you were thinking like I was, why couldn't Mother Nature save this for the week of the travelers? But uh, talk about how weather delays are handled by your staff, the weather watches you have there, and, and uh, the chain of command, basically, if that's an issue.
2: Oh no, I yeah, it's one of those things, right? It's like you you plan and you plan and you plan, but the one thing you can't control, weather and how the guys play, right? Two things that seriously will affect your tournament. Um, but I would say this, uh little known fact, if you read the farmer's almanac, tell you what, those farmers know what they're talking about because you you can look 2 years in advance and look at your week and be like, "All right, we're going to book it around the farmer's almanac." So, um it it's pretty pretty scary how accurate it is. But you're right. It's been beautiful, uh, for the last couple of days here. But when you look at the long range, I mean, I actually am looking at it going, you've got to be kidding me that we could have another stretch of Wednesday through Sunday next week of the high seventies, you know, very similar situation that we have here. Um, but really it is, I mean, you're, 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 uh, you know, you plan, right? That's what we do in the event business. You try to plan for every contingency. Um, you know, what if we're always asking ourselves the question, what if this? What if that? What if this? What if that? What if what if that? So. I mean, there's a great group here, you know, the tour obviously has a weather, um, person that they have here on property that monitors things. We are working very close contact with them. And then, you know, it's always safety first. I mean, if there's something that, that's coming in, we'll try to give, you know, the fans and everybody ample time to, you know, whether go back to their cars or, you know, do, do whatever they feel comfortable doing. If there's, if there's weather or, you know, a little bit of rain, people in Connecticut, New England are pretty tough, you know, they, They handle the rain pretty well. So if there is, um, there is that, but it's gotten a lot easier to your question about chain of command and communication and, and things like that. I mean, just being able to have mobile devices on property now and being able, being able to text and being able to, you know, get to your fans immediately, you know, especially with digital tickets and things like that. Like it's a lot more, it's a lot more efficient than it's ever been in the past. You know, usually it was one of those things where it's like, okay, Let's all get together over the radio and let's talk about this. And then, how do you get the messages out? Now you can literally, through you know, fans sign up for these things. You can send out messages to people instantly, and so it's I think a much safer environment from that standpoint. You know, like hey, plays get about to be suspended, or hey, plays about to come back. So, um, I mean, in this day and age, it's uh, it's a much easier situation to deal with than before, where it's you know, where are our loudspeakers? How are we going to get communication out? Drive a cart out to 13. Make sure the home marshals. You know, acts, and, you know, it's it's just a very different scenario now that uh, I think much easier and safer for the fans.
1: And Nathan, back to fan attendance for one minute. I know tickets are limited, and I guess there are sold-out days already. There will be no tickets at the gate. Maybe you could shed some light on ticket availability and what fans would have to do at this point.
2: Sure, sure. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's one of the things. You know, obviously, I mean, things are so much better now, you know, than, than they were, and they keep getting better from that standpoint, you know, with the vaccines rolling out and where the, you know, where things are. But, you know, we had to make some decisions. Oh gosh, I'm going to take you back to the, let's go back to the fall of 20. We kind of had our first initial version of the travelers championship that we had to budget for, that we had to plan for. And we were looking at, you know, back in the fall, probably like 2000 people a day, maybe, you know, hopefully bringing the pro amps back, like, that was kind of version one, and then in February, things looked a little better, and we kind of went to five thousand people, and you know, open things up a little bit, and then in like mid-April, you, you kind of have to make a decision on your tournament. Probably that that ninety-day window is really like pushing it. I mean, from an operational standpoint, from a supply chain vendor, the build schedule, you know, the the food and beverage, the catering, like all that stuff, you have to really got to lock that down at least three months out. And so we projected and made the best, you know, assumption we could then and said, all right, we hope we can get to 10,000 a day. And we feel really fortunate that that's what we're going to be at. And, uh, you know, it's still a reduced capacity, but it's, you know, so much better than we, we thought it was going to be for this year. Um, but you know, I mean, it's going to be great. If you, we tell our fans like, look, if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. If you're not vaccinated, we're asking that you wear a mask. And then we're handing out masks for free at the gate saying, look, if you, you know, cause there's going to be a lot of people here. If you want to, here's a free mask and. You know, we're kind of lucky too on a golf course. I mean, if people want to socially distance and kind of spread out, like it's kind of a sport that lends itself to that. You know, you can spread out in the front nine, the back nine. So, um, it's a, I think it's going to be a really good environment. Everything's open air. Uh, all of our facilities are open air. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, I think it's going to be an environment where people feel comfortable to, to view a sporting event with this many people. And then we just tell people like, look, we're, we're on our way back. We're, you know, 22 is going to be back to, you know, I would say the quote unquote normal. Um, but uh, we're still, we're, we're on our way back, but this looks so much different than it did last year, and I'm so excited to have people back.
0: Nathan, let's talk a little bit about the golf course, in particular the finishing holes, 15 to 18. What's waiting for the guys on the top of the leaderboard as they come down the stretch on Sunday?
2: Man, the best way I can describe it is you basically, so 14 kind of plays down, for those people who don't know the course, it kind of plays down this little hill, and then you take a right turn kind of into this, kind of like an arena in a sense. You have 15, 16, 17 that all play around this lake and all the, the holes are very different. It's a drivable par four. It's a tough par three. It's a really tough par four. And then it's you come up 18. That's kind of back out of the chute. So it, you don't really realize because th- there's no hospitality like on 13, 14, all the hospitality is built around 15 through 18. So it's almost like you you, you kick open the door to a full theater and you're like, Oh my gosh. Hello. You know, <laughs> like as the players kind of come from 14 to 15, it's just like, okay, there's a bunch of people in this audience and now I am on stage. And it is a very, very different environment because you look at the, the crowds that I think we're famous for. That's where they are. They're around 15, 16, 17, and 18. So I think one, it changes the dynamic of there's a lot more eyeballs on you. You kind of feel like you're out having a nice round on 14 and then, and then obviously you come in. But then the noise level too. I mean, you make a, you know, a birdie on 15 or you drive the green. I mean, the noise level just escalates. If you're putting on 16 and then the guy knocks it close there, you can hear him on 17 and you see all the players kind of looking around. Their heads kind of on a swivel like, Hey, what was that? What was that? What was that? So it just elevates everything and you can see everything kind of unfold in front of you too. We have, um, it's interesting in this comment, some of the tour wives say this is the best place to watch because you can literally see. Stand in one spot and see all of this happen and unfold. They're like no other tournaments really have this, and uh, you know your fans are really really lucky. And like yeah, we know. And you know I think the fans appreciate that and they know that too. But so much can happen on those last four holes. I mean I've seen the tournament won there, I've seen the tournament lost there. Um, but it's uh, it's drama unfolding right in front of you. And you don't have to chase it. It is literally you have a seat in the theater. And you can eat your popcorn and watch the movie right in front of you. So um, it is, uh, it's a pretty special finishing. We're very, very lucky here at River Highlands to have that uh, have that stage, I would say, to kind of close out of the show.
0: It's, it's interesting. You mentioned the, the drivable par 4 on the 15th. It's 296 yards. you got water on the left and on the right. Sounds like a true risk versus reward decision-making thing for the player. To go for it or not? What kind of feedback do the players give you about that tee shot?
2: Oh, I I think uh I feel like Stewart said it great. He goes, it, it, "It's the beginning of four of the best finishing holes on tour." Stewart said that a few years ago. It, so I, I've seen guys hit driver. Obviously, a lot of guys do three wood, long irons, and even seven irons off there. Going, you know what? Forget it. I'm not. Gonna, <laughs> I'm not going for the water. I don't want to do this. I'm just not going to let this get in my head. I'm hitting a seven iron off of here, so that I could just. I just want to make par here. So um, it is truly uh, just a one of those holes where you're like, okay, what am I going to do here? And I think any golf hole that makes a player stop and think, I think they like because they, I think they are so good at their craft and they have so many different shots they can hit that I think they like going through their, you know, like, okay, which shot am I going to try to hit here? It's not just to stand up and hit. Like, I have to really think about this. And it's interesting, a couple of years ago. They um, they did some bunker work out here and they, you know, did some few minor things to the golf course. And they actually, ra- the back tee box on 15, they raised it up a, like a, I don't know, like 12, 15 inches, just a little bit. I don't remember the exact number, but they raised it up just a little bit so that when the guys are standing there, they can see just a little more sliver of the lake on the left, and I'm like, oh, that's just mean because you can you're just kind of reminded, oh yeah, there's water over there. Or maybe you know when the tee box is a little bit lower, it's like you kind of forget. But uh, no, so it's it's a really good golf hole. That again, the best way I can describe it is the, the guys the guys think on the tee, and I think they like to do that.
0: Yeah, 17 sort of very similar, right? It's uh, water down the right side here, and then a tough bunker down the left. Second shot is almost all carry over water to the green. Is that sort of the make-or-break hole as, you, as you're as you coming in? It You know what? It
2: really can be because you're coming off a of 16, which is, you know, it's basically an island green. It's water and bunkers all around it. And, I mean, it, 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 you can get some really tough pin positions on 16. And 17, again, it just gets in your head. I mean, that's a lot of water you see on the right. And then there's this huge hill, and to your point, a bunker lining at the whole left. And you kind of stand up there and go, okay, well, I'm going to hit a nice draw. And you're like, Man, am I really going to take it over the water and bring it back in? And like, no, let me just fade it. And like, oh, gosh, and I got to carry those bunkers. And so, I mean, it just, again, it kind of makes you think. And then once you get down there, you're going, wait a minute, my second shot is all carry over water. I mean, it's usually not a long iron, but um the way the green is sloped from uh back to front, and it's usually obviously pretty fast on Sunday, but you got to be careful. You throw a wedge in there too, you know, too hard, too much thin, it's coming back into the water. So you have to really kind of think through your shot um on where you want to do it. So yeah, again, best I can describe it. I know I said this about fifteen, but you just you have to think your way around the course. I remember Kevin Stroman, he lost uh what was it like one or two shots, maybe one shot last year to Dustin. He hit a beautiful shot into seventeen. The pin was on the, the the front part of the green and there's this tier that's in the middle of the green. And he hit a beautiful shot right at the perfect spot on the shelf on the top shelf for it to spin back to the pin and he hit it and he took off too much spin and it just stayed on that top shelf. And he was literally standing there waiting for it to roll back going, you got to be kidding me. Like I hit the, he hit the exact shot that he wanted to, but it just didn't spin back off the hill. Um, so he was on do, and he ended up two putting, but you know, it just, it, it makes you think. And I think the guys really like that.
0: And Nathan, almost every year, the lowest scoring round of the tournament is on Sunday. Is that my design? Are you guys looking for those sort of Augusta National like roars on the back night on Sunday as someone's making a charge and the opportunity to win the golf tournament there?
2: See, I, I think what you'll see what's interesting. So uh, I have to, before I answer that, I have to say that uh, I thought Dustin said it good in his press conference, um, this year at Media Day. He said, he said it's a fair golf course. He said, if you hit good shots, you can make birdie. And if you hit bad shots, you can make bogey. So I think what you see on Sundays, I think you see the guys. Going for it, right? I think you see them going. Okay, there's going to be some lower scores on Sunday because they're willing to take more risk. But I can almost guarantee you, there's going to be. Um, more, if you looked at the average, there's going to be higher scores on Sunday too, because the guys, there's a lot more guys trying to get aggressive and probably getting punished, and so there's probably a lot more movement on the leaderboard up as well as down, um, because again, if if you're hitting good shots, you're going to be able to take advantage of it. But you're off a little bit, and you're going to make bogey. Um, but, uh, I don't know that it's designed that way other than you kind of see, you know, how good these guys are going. All right. I'm going after it. But yeah, I remember, oh gosh, probably 05. I think the year, the year Brad Faxon one, I'm sitting with Brad on Friday night. Um, he made the cut on the number. He actually had his car packed and, uh, there was a little player function and we're sitting, you know, sitting talking. He goes, yeah, I don't think I'm going to make the cut. And he was, he was ready to go and, he uh, yeah, had his car packed. He makes the cut on the number, you know, shoots, uh, I forget what he shot on Saturday You don't have to get back. And then he fires sixty one on Sunday and gets to do a playoff and ends up winning the tournament. So I mean, victory is I would say always within reach here. Like you're never gonna play your way totally out of it. And I honestly I think that's what the guys like to.
1: Jason, just a couple quick last questions. We have five days until the tournament play begins and uh just wanna know you personally, what will be your main focus? over the course of these next five days as opposed to the planning of the entire year?
2: Oh gosh, what are we doing as I, as I'm sitting out here, I'm on the the deck of the clubhouse. I'm looking at just, you know, all the final bunting going up and I mean, it's all details right now, right? It's okay. You know, have we, is, is all the rope and stake in the right place that, you know, all the ticket holders have all the information they need. Um, you know, is that uh, the fan in the right place? Is the concession stock? I mean, it's all details right now. Um, and, uh, and we try to pay very close attention to those. I mean, we have multiple people that walk around during the day, take notes, you know, send them to our ops team like, hey, what do we think about this? What do we think about this? I mean, we're kind of constantly auditing ourselves. And, uh, that's what it is now. I mean, it, it, it's all the details. I mean, the, the player logistics, we have a great player relations team, you know, that's working with every, I was literally just in there with somebody and they were on the phone with one of the, the player managers going, you know, just giving them advice about the hotels. Well, you know, hey, tell me what, you know, what are you looking for? Well, this one's 10 minutes away. This one's 15 minutes away. Here's the amenities here. Here's this. And we just try to really spend time with, you know, everybody who's coming to the tournament, whether it's a player or a caddy or a fan or, you know, a vendor to say, look, let's, let's spend some time to make sure you understand the details and let's let's take care of this you know let's uh let's make sure you're you're good and it's all details right now whether it's the vendors or the players or whatever so i mean there's no huge changes that we can make at this point but uh you can i think from a from a customer experience standpoint you know make sure that they feel like you've thought of everything
1: And finally nathan as is- Chris mentioned you've worked as an instructor before you arrived in Connecticut and played on various tours yourself. Uh, with the immense hours that you put in yearly in your current position, does it significantly significantly cut down on your chances to get some rounds in yourself?
2: <laughs> um, short answer, yes, but then also no. So I, believe me, I played enough golf when I was younger to, to last a lifetime when I was trying to play. Um, and it was great, but I will say that I kind of, you know, took some time off of my son. He's he's 16 now and he and I probably about two years ago, he started to take it more seriously and, you know, like, Hey dad, I want to get better. You know, he was kind of just, it was a hobby, you know, for, for most of his life growing up. But he, he said to me when he's about 14, he's like, Hey, I want to try to, I want to try to get better. I'm like, okay. You know, I never pushed it on him or anything. And so for the last couple of years, he and I have been playing a lot of golf and a lot of time at the range. He actually asked me my opinion on his swing, which, you know, listen, for a 16 year old to, to ask his dad his opinion and, and actually listen, I'm like that's, uh, pretty <laughs> crazy. So, um, listen, I, I try to not, yeah. I try to not get too giddy. I try to not do too giddy. My wife tells me, she goes, calm down. Just answer his question. Don't get all excited that your son asked you for advice. I'm like, okay, okay. So anyway, so I've been playing more, <laughs> I would say, with him over the last couple of years, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's an amazing game, right? I mean, I spent my, my early years in my, you know, twenties trying to, trying to play professionally. Like you said, I mean, I failed miserably. I played in the mini tours and just got pounded. So many good guys that that were playing down there at the time. You know, so like I, golf was a competitive part of my life and then it was recreational. And now it's, it's a totally different thing. Like it's a, you know, it's a family sport. Me and my son go out, we have a good time. And it's, it's just such a unique sport that you can kind of do that cross-generationally. You can play competitive, you can play for fun. It's, it's one of the reasons why I think it's the, the, the greatest sport there is for, for so many different reasons. But, uh, yeah, golf is kind of making its way back into my life again in a very different way.
1: And I, uh, I plan on getting down there probably later this afternoon to pick up a media package, Nathan. But again, uh, maybe I hope, is your father going to be around this week? Always love seeing him too.
2: Oh, listen, that's a whole other thing. Pop, he, he can't make it this year, so he's he's uh, counting down the days until next year. <laughs> he's counting down the days. Um, so he's, uh, he'll be he's sending me texts every morning. Hey, how's the build going? How's this going? So, um, yeah. but, uh, he'll be, he'll be here next year. He'll be here next year for sure.
1: So you give him my regards. Uh, he's always a great conversationalist and always loved his rides to the media center and, uh, look forward to it next year.
2: Listen, he's a good man. He's a good man. I was lucky to, uh, lucky to have
1: him my, my whole life and I still have him. I'm still, I'm still
2: lucky.
0: Well, Nathan, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to come back and be a part of the show and share more of your insights into the tournament with us. We really appreciate your time. We'll be thinking about you as we watch the guys come down the stretch on Sunday, particularly over those last four holes. Stay safe. All the best to you and your family. We look forward to catching up with you again real soon.
2: Thanks again, guys. Nathan. Thanks for the time. We'll
0: see you soon. Thanks. Bye bye. Thank you, Nathan. That was again Nathan Groob, tournament director of the Travelers Championship. A lot of really great stuff there. Really looking forward to watching the tournament this weekend, checking out the golf course, watching the guys go low probably on Sunday, and then catching up with Nathan again probably th- this time next year. Nathan, a great guy, and it's gonna be a really fun golf tournament.